begin, let us bow our heads in prayer. O Lord, you are maker of heaven and earth, and from everlasting to everlasting, you are eternal. You never change, Lord. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we turn our hearts, Lord, to the scriptures, inspire us, Lord, with ancient truths that remind us of your goodness and your faithfulness to us. And even as we anticipate the coming of Christ again, Lord, Help us to stand in your truth and to hope in your goodness, Lord. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts, O Lord, be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This uh, Sunday is the first Sunday where we begin this uh, countdown to Christmas, uh, Advent, uh, comprises of four Sundays and one particular Christmas day. In some traditions, in some churches, uh, where they follow the lectionary colours, uh, we follow the blue colour, but a number of churches you go to, if they are a bit more traditional, they may have five candles that are lit up. And the five candles, uh, four of them are for the four Sundays, and the fifth candle, which is normally a white candle, is the Christ candle. Uh, and what would happen in some of these more uh, interesting traditions would be they would light the first candle, which would be the candle of hope. Uh, these passages that we are doing today from Luke chapter 21, Luke chapter 21 gives in a way three warnings and, and three things to look forward to. And First Thessalonians responds with three prayers. Uh, one is from Jesus and the other one is uh, through Paul. I'll be focusing more uh, on what Paul is saying in response to what Jesus is warning us against in this time and in this particular age. Let me first begin by this thought to ask you, in this particular season, what are you praying for? I'm giving you some time to think of it because some people say, oh, I don't know, when was the last time I prayed? What are you really praying for? Apart from the stuff which you normally have in terms of your shopping list of things that you want from God, what really is your heart yearning for in this particular season? I know when I was studying overseas, uh, during this season, one of the things that I'd be yearning for would be to come home. Uh, in the season because that's where family is. Uh, family would be the place where during Christmas we would come together and all our cousins and brothers and sisters and relatives would gather uh, in order to celebrate Christmas together. It was a family tradition and one that was not restricted for only the Christians. All our relatives, uh, we also had some people who entered into the Muslim faith. They also would come and they'd be singing joy to the world with us. And so these are some of the things that we would be praying for. But as I grew older, uh, we noticed that some people during this season, they pray for other things. They pray for their good bonus because they've been working throughout the year and, and slogging and they were thinking, I need a good bonus because these are the holidays that I'm planning for next year. I want to go to Danang, I want to go to Bali, I want to go to Italy, or you know, all these things that they want to. 
or some friends I had would be praying about the Christmas parties that they are planning or all the festivities. Uh, I come to Penang and I realize that many of our companies, the, especially the high technology companies, holiday season, it shuts down for almost two weeks. And leading up to that period is this period of uh, partying, merriment, drinking, and uh, fun. But many statistics tells us that the year end is also one of the most depressing periods, and many suicides occur during this period. Loneliness, despair, and sometimes also indiscretion. Uh, I recall having friends who told me that during this period of merriment in their drunkenness, they end up making mistakes, ending up getting into bed with someone which they never expected. So what are you praying for at this end of the year? What are the things that uh, swirl around in your mind? The first warning that Jesus gave uh, was this particular statement to say, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with uh, carousing, drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Now, when Jesus is speaking in Luke chapter 21, this is in the period when the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, when will you come back? Or when will we see this day when you will be enthroned? And Jesus speaks about the last days and how the last days will be very difficult. And he says, during the last days, there will be people whose hearts will be weighed down with uh, carousing. I found it interesting when uh, Brother George was reading just now, the word was dissipation. Uh, in the English understanding, to be dissipated is to, in other words, be totally drunk and uh, partying to the point when you're just like sliding under the table. To dissipate under the table would be uh, how they would understand it. So be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the anxieties of life. Many times... We always pray for the things that are anxieties of our life. And it consumes us. It fills us with dread. We figure out and we wonder what the coming year will be like. I don't really know your situation. Although I do know when I speak to some other friends, they say, this year was tough. Although we have Malaysia, Baru and all that stuff, economically we're still in a mess and we don't know what next year will be like. Some people are tightening their belts and they say demand will shrink. The war between uh, the trade war between the US and China will be terrible and we will be casualties between these two elephants that are fighting. And so there are all these anxieties. And in a way, if I were to refer it in a different way, carousing and drunkenness are ways in which we distract ourselves from the problems of this world. And so many of us are distracted. And how you know you're distracted is when you look at your schedule and you look at your days and you look at your time, you spend more time pursuing little rabbits down holes rather than doing the thing that you know at the back of your mind is crucial and critical. We spend a huge amount of time on uh, social media. We spend a huge amount of time traveling in order to forget our problems. We spend a lot of time partying in order to forget the pain that we do. And so these drunkenness and carousing 
are often ways in which we try to distract ourselves from our issues and our difficulties. That's one of the warnings that Jesus says, in the last days, we are in the last days. The last day hasn't arrived, but we are in the midst of our last days. Paul, in turn, in this particular passage where he is referring to, he prays in the third person. Now, first person is when I refer to I. Second person is when we say you. The third person is when we refer to a statement like this, may God, which means the both of us are referring to a third person, may God clear the way for us to come to you. Now that's the prayer uh, which Paul prays in response to the challenges of the age. Pray that God would clear the way uh, to come to us. And the full context of that verse, it says, Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. His first prayer is towards God, both Father and Son. Now, if people ever argue to you that there is no concept of the divinity of Christ, this is one classic example where Paul prays to Father and the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, giving equal weight to both of them to say that both of them will answer the prayer. Clear the way for us to come to you. How many of us, when we pray, particularly in seasons like this, are praying for the fellowship of Christian brothers and sisters to come in order that we would be encouraged, in order that we would be sustained and strengthened, in order that goodness may come. How many of us pray that in this season, the gospel of Jesus Christ would really come and clear the way of all the anxieties and the fears? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ, in a way, is the only answer to our problems. Recently, during our track uh, conference, uh, we had uh, Dato Dennis Ignatius, a, a foreign diplomat and one who is a Christian in long standing, come to us and says, I wish that Christians, when they went about in civil service, in foreign service, in the government or in the trade, really lived according to what they believed in, that Jesus is the answer and the only answer to all the problems that we have. And he says, in all the calamities we have seen throughout Malaysia, Christians seem to be the only one who have what is the right mindset and the right answer, a dependency on God and a trust in Christ Jesus to do what is needed. How will we then live this way? But I'm also reminded that in clearing the way, uh, when I thought about this passage, the one that comes to me was this particular picture. It's a tractor uh, clearing, in a way, a lot of stones. Let me explain to you why this is a particularly interesting character for, uh, picture for me. Before I came to Penang, we were doing a lot of work in the interior of Pahang. Uh, in fact, the border of Pera and Pahang. And many of these uh, brothers who are Orang Asli brothers have been friends where to get to them from where we were down south, uh, would take almost a journey of four to six hours by four-wheel drive. 
Okay, it takes a while to get to Pahang, and from Pahang we will travel on the winding roads, and then finally from the main road, get off off road, and go in. It was lovely places for young adults to go because that was the one place where you can legitimately go off road, <laughs> use your four wheel drive, and basically use your skills to get in. What had come across to me recently was one of the Batin. We call them the Batin, who is a bit like the Penghulu, but more senior. And they cover a number of villages. And close to my heart is this group of villages, about five villages together, who are Christians, who we know have a lot of problems. You know the problem because when you are on the road, the road going to them is generally okay, even uh, dirt and uh, compacted concrete. But as soon as it arrives to the border of the Christian villages, it's all potholes and boulders. It stops at that point. The roads are built to a school, and after the school, it just stops. And the kampongs that are Christian are after the school. And the Batin had sent news through a friend who had gone in recently and came out, and I met him at the conference. And he said, Batin Yahya conveys his warmest regards to you for the Christmas season. And, and I said, so any news from them, what is their greatest need? And they said, the Batin says, if it be a way, could you help us to clear the road? Because of late, it has been getting worse. I mean, to get to this place, they are in the highlands. Eh? The border of Pahang and Perak, they are highlands. And so the roads are narrow. And when it rains, you have a landslide. But their roads are also next to uh, rivers and streams. And so they're massive boulders and rocks that are over there. Even with a four-wheel drive, sometimes you feel a lot of pain. You, know? you go over a rock and uh, the boulder smashes into your undercarriage. And we have had some times where uh, some of our drivers almost topple over the side because of the small, narrow ways. And they're, so their question was, can you help us find a way to clear this road? And so I got to thinking about this. We have a lot of civil engineers, we have a lot of road builders, we have a lot of resources, but how many would go there? How many would clear the way? And the button ended with this uh, particular request in his message. He says, please help because our children, when they go out to school, are falling on the motorbike. Even the motorbikes can't get through on these roads. And here I am thinking, we want to help them and our fellowship is there with them. How do we do these things? So these are the thoughts that preoccupy me during Christmas because it's during Christmas when groups go in to try and share the gospel, celebrate Christmas with them. But throughout the year, many things affect them. They can't sell the cocoa that they build, uh, that they plant. They can't sell the uh, rubber and people don't want to go in to build anything because I can't bring anything in. No lorries can get in, no motorbikes and so forth. Now that's the picture that I have. But I'd like to ask you, what are you clearing the way for? What are you praying for God to clear the way for so that you may be in fellowship with another? Not just merriment and carousing and dissipation, but a fellowship of faith that allows you to share the kingdom of God with them. What are you praying for? 
are you in this particular season saying, can I give a gift? And so many organizations like OM, World Vision, uh, many of these other organizations says, can you give a gift during Christmas that paves the way for people to have a life that has been blessed by other Christians? Sometimes it means uh, help them to buy a goat. Sometimes it means help them to build a school or a class. Now, I'm pretty sure that some of you would come across this. So would you have this same prayer, the prayer of Luke, that the Lord, our God and Father, would clear the way for Jesus to come, for us to be able to come to them in order to bring them to a fellowship of Christ Jesus. It continues on. Why do we do this? And who do you love? Jesus again gives this warning that the ages and the end times will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Trouble, despair, suffering, hopelessness will come on all on the face of the whole earth, not just on those you love. So Paul says this prayer in 3.12, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Uh, Gauri and I had the distinct pleasure of uh, conducting the Bible study, uh, the journey through Luke, all these past weeks. And the last session ended on Friday. And uh, one of the questions that was posed to those who attended is, how do you love the unlovable? How do you love the unlovable? Because let's face it, sinners are really quite detestable. They're really hard. And we're called to forgive them, we're called to love them. How do we love those who consistently break God's laws, break your heart, and if not doing all these things, irritate you and upset you? and offend you. Paul's answer, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow. In the sense that the source of love has always been God. I had this picture of this uh, bucket being filled with water. In a way, uh, many Christians function out of this uh, concept, you know, I have a bucket of water and what water I have, I give to you. But if I have no love and I feel no love, then expect no love from me because I'm empty. Uh, my previous uh, pastor, when I was younger, used to say, sometimes uh, the world's concept of love is a little bit like two ticks that are feeding off each other. You know, ticks, they suck on blood. Can you imagine two ticks who are feeding off each other? What love I have, I give to you. But when I'm empty of love, I'm going to suck what I need out of you and we're just going to pass this between each other. But the Christian concept of love is not that. That we ask from the true eternal source of living water, love, to fill us to overflowing such that we are able to love others. And so our source is not others our source is God. 
because He loved us, we have the ability to love others. So friends, when you have difficulty loving the unlovable, turn your eyes to Jesus, ask Him for the love, and then do what is loving. Not what you feel, but what love calls to be. Love is patient, love is kind, love is gentle. Love holds no record of wrongs. Love always trusts. Susah, <laughs> very hard. And then you will realize that love is something that you cannot do of your own. It requires an act of God to do this. And so this commission here, that you have this love, it says there, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, or everyone uh, near you. Is this outward-looking expression of love. It's a prayer that your love abound in order that it flow out to others. So in this Advent season, who do you love? Who will you love? Who will you choose to pour out your love to? And will you turn to the Lord to ask for that love? Now, this will require an intentional act. It will require an intentional act of looking to Jesus, to ask Jesus, Jesus, tell me, as you pour out your love in me, who do I need to pour out this love to? And it may be in your company, in your school, in your college, university, wherever you are, God will bring to you this one person that needs water. You need to pour water on them so that they get clean. Who is that person? And it's difficult because you might say, I don't want to pray that prayer because you will tell me this person which I don't want to. And I want to hold on to my unforgiveness. I would rather hold on to my anger and bitterness and hope that the other person die. We, we swallow this poison, expect somebody else to basically suffer for it. Turn back to your scriptures and the truth reminds us May God's love increase and abound in you. We pray for that in order that it would flow out to others. So I pray uh, this in hope. The third question I have to pose for you in this Advent season is, what are you exercising your heart for? You know, many of us go for physical exercise. We want our body to be stronger. We expect to run further. We expect to work harder. We expect to do many things harder. Paul kind of has a different idea, uh, but Jesus also uh, makes this third warning. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of God or the Son of Man. This third warning in Luke, again, in the last days, tell us, tells us to be watchful. Even as, we are, even as we are standing in hope, we are watchful and prayerful. Now, one is to escape all that is about to happen, the trials and the tribulations, uh, the difficulties, but more importantly, to be able to stand before the Son of Man. Paul extends this further. In his 1 Thessalonians 3.13, the last verse, he says, May He strengthen your hearts, so that you will be blameless, that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father 
when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. It's interesting that Paul uses this word, may he strengthen your hearts so that you'll be blameless. What do you need to strengthen your heart for? I know one of it is so that when you're running harder, you're running faster, it beats and it pumps more blood. But the other time when my heart fails is when I'm faced with fear. When you fear. So let me ask you, what are you most fearful of? What, what makes your heart beat like crazy as if it's about to explode or it's about to stop? Death, loneliness, your boss. <laughs> what is it you fear? Your husband's anger, <laughs> your wife's nagging. What is it you fear? May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of God and Father, our God and Father. I would say that some of the things that I fear the most uh, tend to put me a little bit like this guy. He's standing on the edge of a path where one wrong step into sin may cause him to fall down into the abyss. Would you have the strength and the courage to walk the narrow way? Yeah. Christ was one who said to them, wide and easy is the gate that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path that leads to life. And so quite often, one of the prayers that we need to ask is, may we have the strength of heart to have courage to have the grit and perseverance to remain faithful and true. Again, I don't know what your situation is like. You may be tempted to take the wide path during this period because you are afraid that taking the narrow way may mean that you fall in your business or fall in whatever choices that you make. You may be afraid and your heart may be beating in order to confront a loved one with brokenness and sin because you feel that relationship will be destroyed. What is it that you are fearful of? Maybe you need to ask for God's strength in order for this season, as He comes again into our hearts, to overcome this. For what reason do we ask for this strength? Again, just as Jesus said, in order that we may stand holy and blameless in the presence of God. In other words, will you have the strength to live conscience right in this season? To right the things that are wrong, to address the issues that have been niggling at the back of your mind that you know make you filled with blame and guilt and, in a way, unholy. What does it take to have the courage to face the difficult? Now, I will say this also. No amount of Bible study, no amount of spirituality, no amount of scripture bashing deals with this issue of fear. You may have all the knowledge, but without the courage and the strength of heart to do what is needed, it is all just in your head.
And so we ask the Lord that in this season, would you have the strength of heart to be blameless and holy in the presence of God as you do that which needs to be done in this season. Let me draw this to, the, to a close. Pray that God clears a way for the gospel and hope and truth through you to others. Will you, together with your family, sit down this uh, Advent season and say, how can we be a person that clears the way for someone to experience the gospel of hope and truth in fellowship with Christ? It may be in your giving. It may be in your intentional planning for next year. How will you be clearing the way, the distractions in your mind, the distractions in your life that causes you to be a bearer of the gospel of hope and truth, that Christ will clear the way. Yeah. Some of you may, may decide next year I'll go for one of the trips together with our mission team. Some of you may decide in my giving I will give to uh, this organization in order that they may have something. Or some of you may decide I'll just come along and sit with some of our leaders in the mission team. How do we do this? I want to be a part of this. Clearing the way for what really matters. Because I'll tell you, the souls of every person that you gain is eternal. It matters. But the things of this world will pass. Your houses, your cars, your luxury and your comfort, they will all pass. But every life I treasure that we gain for the kingdom, for the baptisms that we do, for the teaching that we do, those will last till eternity. So those matter. Secondly, will you pray for your love to increase daily? Will you intentionally, every day, pray for your children and your children's children and for yourself for this outpouring of love on them? I've come to realize that as much as I train my children and as much as I teach people, it is an act of God to change the heart. It is an act of God to fill them with a love tank because there will be times I'll be one of those people who is draining their love tank. Only God has this never-ending supply that can fill them. So I have to pray that God will fill them, that they can love others. Parents, grandparents especially, do actively tell your children and your grandchildren, Kong Kong or Mama or Papa, uh, that you are praying for them. It means the world. It means a lot. I know. I think you do too. Some of you have very fond memories of your grandparents telling you, I'm praying for you. I'm not with you. I'm not there with you. But I'm praying with you through your exam. I'm praying with you through your broken leg. I'm praying with you at your tournament. I'm praying with you in this business crisis that you're going through. I am with you. And my hope and my stand is with you and my love is for you. I mean, that, that holds people and encourages them and strengthens them. So, the third one, pray for strength in your hearts to remain blameless and holy, to do what is right. Now, what will you do actively? You kind of need to make a choice, maybe take out your diary and say, I'm going to do this on this day. A month or so ago, I challenged our people after doing the study on Ruth 
and uh, Esther, uh, no, Ruth and uh, Naomi, saying, how many of you will actually take time to go to a home in this year or next year to visit those people in those homes in order to encourage and journey with, strengthen and encourage them? Will you be an encourager? In the same way I know you need encouragement, when you encourage others, you too will be encouraged. And the meaning of encouragement is, is to give courage to another to take another step. Let us be a church that builds them up and strengthens them, that they may remain blameless and holy. Let us pray.